That was good. Okay. You didn't freeze. I see you moving over there. <laughs> Let's go. No, I'm I'm allowing some room tone to really oh, set the atmosphere for this episode. My bad, my bad. I wish I could speak in reverse. <laughs> What's up, nerds? Welcome to Region Free. Uh this week we're talking about a newish movie. A movie that came out this year, late last year, ran the festival circuit. And if you're on TikTok, if you're not a fan of the US government trying to tell you what you can do with your cell phone and you're using the social media platform TikTok, maybe you've heard of this film because it kind of popped off and went viral there. And the Zoomers said, this movie's crazy. You gotta see it. That's how I first heard about it. It's been on my radar for months now. I watched it months ago, but it had been on my radar months before I watched it months ago. The movie we're talking about today is Kyle Edward Ball's feature-length directorial debut, Skinna Ma Rank. Now, Blake Hester, my co-host, has heard me talking about this movie for a very long time. When we were fortuitous enough to have a yeah. little break in our recording schedule, yeah. I said maybe we could do a bonus episode. If you listened to last week's episode, you would have heard this conversation. Blake said, let's watch a porno. And I said, I've got a better idea. There's <laughs> a movie really? I've been trying to... Oh yeah, you're like I want to watch a pink film. I just, we talked about watching porn with your bros. We should, yeah, we should just watch more porn in general. We should, yeah. This movie could have used some porn, maybe. Um, well, I feel like you know, there's only kids in this film, so maybe not. Well, like the cartoons and stuff on the TV, maybe. Oh, Fr- they could play like Fritz the Cat or something. That would be like, I mean. Uh, talk about a universally relatable childhood experience when you're up late watching TV and then one of those commercials you're not ready for comes on. Warning. Changes your life. Foundational. Yeah. Warning. Get an adult. Do not watch this if you're under the age of 18. Oh my oh, God, holy dude. Shit. I, someone needs to track down the Girls Gone Wild announcer guy. Warning. <laughs> Warning. <laughs> These Maybe co-eds are hot and busty. Hot. He could be a an entity like the creature in Skinamarink. The Skinamarink. Anyway, we watched Skinamarink. Mm-hmm. AJ. That's my name. <sighs> Come on, man. What is this movie? <laughs> what did you put me through last night? A fair reaction. A, 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 a reaction that you're not alone in having. Look, every once in a while, a movie like this comes along that is essentially, I think as you were describing it yesterday... You look at it on Letterboxd, and it's either everyone's giving it one star or five yeah. stars. There's pretty much no in-between. And that's completely fair reaction to have to this movie. Here's me, an enlightened intellectual. It's got four and a half on my Letterboxd, so I'm different. I'm different. I'm going to drop this here at the top of the show. Please. I think it's important for listeners to understand the, the headspace I came to this movie in. Just the life experiences I have as a 29-year-old. Yeah. I don't go on Reddit, okay? I think that's important to know about me. I'm I, I live firmly anti Reddit existence. Cool. I uh, the only, one and only post I've ever made on Reddit is the Howard Stern subreddit. Which one? Sorry, the Howard Stern subreddit. Okay. Um, uh, I think a lot of this movie's gimmicks ultimately ended up working for me because I'm not very familiar with Reddit or Creepypasta, but reading the reviews, mm. it seems this is where this film is really rooted in, is that kind of horror, which I find interesting 
coming off yeah coming off the heels of something like we're all going to the world's fair and this this kind of new internet based horror that isn't like unfriended or shit I do wonder, though, AJ, how much of this movie would have felt more novel if I was like, or would have felt less novel if I was into shit like the back rooms and kind of the Reddit creepypasta era of horror that it feels like Kyle Edward Ball was very influenced or maybe a part of. Does that make sense? I definitely want to talk about him and his background at some point in this because it's really fascinating. Like, you're... You're you're not wrong to identify that, and I think that's what people have responded to so yeah. much. It's the mode of storytelling I think that this employs is in line with that creepypasta style more what? so than any of its content necessarily. Um, Watching the, this the, movie, the thing that kept playing through my brain was YouTube, YouTube. Yes, you know, it's just like it was inseparable from that. He's a YouTuber. Yeah. That's where he started. Yeah. Like, this this is, in many ways, a just feature-length stretch of one of his YouTube short films Heck. called Heck. And I yeah. think that's a strength, and as we'll get into, it's one of its big weaknesses is maybe its YouTuber brain it has. And, and look, there's an audience out there who's going to respond to a movie that's made by someone with YouTube brain within the exact right headspace because exactly i think it's people have been programmed to watch things yeah either distractedly or with other things going on in the background or or like they respond to visual and auditory stimuli in different ways than a generation of horror fans even a decade removed i think you and i as much as we can appreciate the stuff that's going on in this movie i think you and i are are certified old heads at this point oh yeah evil there is like a there is a new wave that are just reacting to things differently i mean even something like we're all going to the world's fair which is like a movie i really really like and think is very good especially compared to this like i think it's like and i think they are worth just comparing a lot based on where they are i completely agree i also think Despite the fact Jane Shinburn might be our age or a little older, I do think I am a little too old for we're all going to the World's Fair. Which is to say, uh, this thing, I think I am it ancient compared to the <laughs> part of the internet this is birthed out of. Though I guess I don't know how old Kyle is. Um, Kyle's, to- I, I believe Kyle's a little bit older than us. Sure. check. But the, I think that's just uh, the the Reddit infantilization of Reddit users. You know, he's like sixteen. Part of part of this, the prompt for this movie. I mean, like, I don't know how much you looked into it. Uh, part of like the inspiration for it literally was Kyle posting <clears throat> on. I, I, it might have even been like the creepy pasta Reddit, but his his prompt was like, "Tell me about the scariest thing that happened to you when you were a kid," and he got people to respond on reddit comments and on his youtube and he started extrapolating those into his shorts on his youtube channel bite-sized nightmares which is like definitely one of the recommendations for this episode is if you reacted to anything in this like he makes he's got short films that mimic the style of this a little bit that are maybe stronger because they're 10 to 30 minutes and then he also has these really neat ambient nightmare mixes that are I'm going to read the title of a few of them here. Uh, Nostalgic old kids records, but you're a dead child 
but you're a dead child's ghost to fall asleep to. Nostalgic old music in a haunted house to fall asleep to. It's interesting stuff. He's, he's playing around with the it form. Is, I guess it's just like, ugh, this is so curmudgeonly of me. But it's like, I am just so over that like style of internet branding and user-ish type thing. That's like Me too. I Here's what I like about these. Roll my eyes at this. They're well curated. Okay. Is the okay. difference kind of as opposed to like he there um there is authorial intent in sure. them and it's not just like I downloaded a bunch of fucking cartoons and here's an endless 10-hour stream. Okay, them, but that's know? also kind of the issue with uh Skinamarink is he downloaded a bunch of cartoons off archive.org. Uh yeah. the thing that makes me the most mad about this film it's the fact it has the gall to say it takes place in 1995 and then <laughs> basically goes out of its way to not be rooted in its time frame at all. And it dro- let's get into the movie. I have you didn't like such... you didn't like seeing the Duplos and the Legos and everything. I just think Legos do not make a 90s film. And this... I have you know what? I have some maybe the strongest feelings I've had in the series history about this film on mm. um, both <laughs> the things I really like about it and the things I can't stand, which, you know what? If anything, what an effective film. Yeah, I am going to begin by reading the synopsis of this film and we'll see where we go from okay. there, because what this movie gives you and I think it's important actually to have this going in. This is basically what I had when I went to see it. Um, I saw it in theaters in like February of this year and I knew people really liked it. It was experimental, got compared to We're All Going to the World's Fair, which is one of my favorite movies of the past five, ten years. Uh, And the synopsis is very alluring and it goes as such. (coughs) Do re mi. Do re mi, skinamari. Two... Two children wake up in the middle of the night to find that their father is missing and all the windows and doors in their home have vanished. Alluring. I'm interested. My ears are perked up. They're under these big headphones, so you can't see it. Got horny ears right now. The first 10 minutes of this movie, I was not sure what was going on. And it's like easing yourself into a very hot bath as you need to adapt to the stylistic choices that this film is making, which are intense film grain, almost beyond the point of parody, and a very intense focus on the sound design and or lack thereof. You're seeing a lot of static, you're hearing a lot of fuzz, and then things like Reagan barking will occasionally burst through that yeah, or hide beneath it I, in really effective ways. I, I, I wish I would have gone into this film not knowing anything, because by the time I saw it, I, I knew its trick or its gimmick, you know, just from reading about it. Um, mm-hmm. It took me about a half hour before I even remotely enjoyed any part of this film. I was not into it. I would say I, I was actively having a bad time for the first half hour. Because it's just Fair. like, I knew it's gimmick, so there was no, like, even sense of discovery about it, you know? I was like, okay, so sure enough, this is what it is. And then it's just like, it, you know, this is the thing that, this is my issue with this film, is it's YouTuber brain. I often wonder, <laughs> presumptuously, perhaps, if I should offer a service for YouTubers, specifically 
YouTubers who write their own scripts. Mm-hmm. That is just, I will edit them for you. Because, <laughs> because there are a lot of YouTubers who are really, really great writers, but it's so apparent they don't have anyone to say, how about you cut out a third of this? Slice it. And you know what this movie has? A bunch of a lot of good ideas. You know what this movie also thinks? It has some better ideas than it does. And you, for every moment that's like really strong, there's 20 minutes of Kyle Edward Ball thinking, staring into a black hallway is more effective than it is. And sure, sometimes it is really effective. When you stare into the third black hallway in a row for 30 minutes straight, <laughs> it's no longer effective. It's annoying and tedious. Kind of like YouTube videos of certain my ways. My first reaction to this when I was watching it, and I think that being able to see it mm-hmm. in a theater was a really great experience, especially like a packed theater because it was sort of like yeah. – a preview screening and it was sold out and people, you know, there was buzz and people were anticipating it. The first like 10 minutes I either thought were like 30 seconds long or the whole film because I just remember, I remember the moment it snapped in my brain where I was like, this isn't a segment or like the intro or an opening credits thing. I was like, this is what the whole movie is. And I remember those frames and I was like, okay, so when is like, when are we gonna see characters? Yeah. When it, when is when are we gonna like hear things or learn things? There's there's dialogue in there, but you know, when people are talking in this film, as rarely as that happens, they're either not on screen or it's like you can see their feet, yeah, the corner of their head. Like they're very purposefully not framed. And the camera is moving in a way that's just jumping from shot to shot, mm-hmm. like there are a couple of sequences that are really striking and effective Absolutely. where it feels like someone's holding the camera and moving with it. Yeah. But for like 75, 80% of the runtime, it feels like the camera is fixed on a tripod, pointing at something, and then a layer, like a curtain of static has been laid over that. And you are meant to be examining it like one of those eye trick puzzles. And yeah. it, it gets in your head in such an effective way where... It, it's like asking you to imagine seeing things or interpret things that are really familiar, right? It's just a house in fucking Canada. It's his house, actually, which it's oh, the house that he grew up in, which cool. is really sick. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's like, here's a wall. Here's a painting. Here's a television. Here's a couch. Here are children's toys. Think about them as the scariest fucking thing in the world. Right. And, but see, the issue I think this movie like inherently runs up against and. You know, like, it, it was a micro-budget operation. It's just not going to have uh, maybe the team it needed to rein in some of these more heady ideas. Is the balance between when those moments are very striking and effective versus when they are monotonous and annoying. Like, that's a, that's a, that's a near-microscopic tightrope you're walking, right? And I think this film just doesn't always know when it's being terrifying versus when Mm. it's being annoying and i think like tedious filmmaking is okay we just talked about 964 pinocchio which has like a very tedious scene to get through i think yeah a a word a word that you use there that i think about two words a phrase uh you you said it's not necessarily an endurance test parts of that movie i think parts of this movie very explicitly are (laughs) yeah i think the issue though is like i do like that as an idea in horror films i think this runs into not being a worthwhile endurance test in a lot of 
like the first 30 minutes especially, and it just like gets a little too annoying for me. You know what I'm saying? Now, once you hit the first big jump scare, which this film, and I don't like this, it does have a very small bag of tricks for how long it is. It's basically shit's really quiet and then really loud, and that's basically it for 100 minutes. It does have a few moments where it fucking hits so hard Mm -hmm. that... I think I came out almost positive by the end of it. You you have to ask and weigh that in your mind of, like, is it only so effective? Jump scares are, especially in the age of the internet, old hat. Yep. They're useless, essentially, at this point. Horror movies well, either rely on them too much, sure. don't do them effectively. This movie reinterprets them in a way by almost constructing itself out of so much negative space Mm -hmm. that when anything's happening on the screen it's going to grab your attention and then when it's a loud noise or a bang or someone yelling or whatever it is the things that happen in this movie all of the things that you'd been imagining kind of come come rushing back to you and it's you know it doesn't it doesn't show much in in terms of its jump scares like fucking just movies these days will be like Someone is is walking from the bathroom to the kitchen and they turn a corner and someone's yeah. there behind the kitchen and it does the stinger and the thing and it's like literally just trying to be like jump ah what? uh corny. Let's let's take a quick detour. Two minutes on Please. This. What comes to mind? Good great jump scares. Uh Mulholland Drive, yeah. the thing behind the dumpster. Sure. Which again, talk about this movie, is someone telling someone else a story, a dream that they had. Being like, let's go see if that thing's behind the dumpster. You are building it up in your head, expecting to see something behind the dumpster. Boom. Bang. There it is. Thing behind the dumpster. Um, Exorcist 3. Yes. Has an incredible I just watched The Descent, yes. as we talked about. Yeah, great Great jump, jump scare. Sca- like, literal jump scares in that, because little ghouls, <laughs> creepy crawlies, are popping out from the darkness. Um, Exorcist 3. Carrie? Mm. Not the ending. That's the one people always talk about. In Carrie's room when she shuts the door and her mom is standing behind the door. Terrifying. I just had one come to mind. It follows the tall man. Not really a jump scare because he like runs at you, but that's one that makes you sit back. You know, has a great jump scare no one ever talks about. Green room. Green room. When when (laughs) when they finally sneak out into the bar and Badger gets shot with a fucking shotgun in his face out of nowhere. That is a great jump scare uh but the one of uh exorcist three is the goat for sure for sure you're correct there for sure. in in nope when the little alien kid pops out from the barn when yeah. it's the kids in the costumes oh the first time i saw that people lost their motherfucking minds the original house on haunted hill from the 30s with the old bitch on the skateboard and she's all like that shit oh my god yeah she's an old bitch on a skateboard for real i don't know if it's a skateboard (laughs) it was like the 1930s is that 1950s mate anyway um i feel like i'm forgetting one but let's move on because there's there are lots of good there are two good jump scares in this film and one cheap one two cheap ones one and a half cheap ones maybe uh, you and you, you, you were you were giving me reactions to this film last night when you were watching it, and I thought one of the moments that you, yeah. I thought you had finished it, and so I thought you were talking about a different moment. But I'm really curious to to hear what bits you liked in this movie. We we cannot go through it kind of scene by scene and plot by plot because that would be impossible. Yeah. 
So, and as we've established, the movie's too long. That's my main thing with it, too, yeah. is that I think even 10 to 15 being gone, like, this is a perfect 89-minute movie. It just, and it's going to be different for everyone, I think, but it just starts to stretch too long and, and loses itself a little bit. That's the main issue I have with it as well. But yeah, the I, moments, good. I, I, like... I was not vibing with this movie at all till the first jump scare, which is essentially, I think you're following uh, the, the, the sister of the equation, Kylie. Mm-hmm. She goes upstairs. She got a flashlight. She looks Kaylee. up. Kaylee. Is it? Right. One of them. Um, <laughs> she, she, you're kind of from her POV. She has a flashlight and she, she holds it up to the ceiling and you see a Barbie hanging completely still, not even swinging. From the ceiling. Something about the stillness. Like stuck up there. Yeah, the stillness is very eerie. And then she gets spooked or something. Basically, she drops the flashlight and she screams. But this, the fact that before up to this point, the film has been 30 minutes of mostly silence makes this jump scare hit so hard that it's, it's honestly, it's cheap. Like, but. Oh, so you think that's the cheap one? No, I think the second one is cheap. The in the bedroom with the parents. Uh, oh, see, that's my favorite moment in yeah. the movie. Uh, we can get to it because I may I maybe fucked that one up for myself. But <laughs> the, you know, it, jump scares are cheap inherently, but they can be smart even when they're cheap. And I think making someone wait half an hour for a jump scare, it's still cheap. You're still a little bitch for that one because you made me just fucking scared. <laughs> but you know what? That was the moment where I was like, all right, I'll see, I, all right, I'm, I'm uh, with I, you right now. I'll see what's I can, going on. I can imagine the version of this movie that's nothing for 99 minutes and then like truly like the old fashioned like lady in the maze jump scare or whatever right at the end where it's just like the lamest little demon face popping up and being like, Bleh! I, and okay, just, good I, night, folks. I also want to say I have a very bad habit of going into things with a bad mental attitude a bma mm, rude dude with a tude yeah and you know what i really committed last night aj i did my best i told you i, w- I was like look this is a movie you have to meet on yeah. its terms you should be in the darkest room possible i i suggested headphones on i apologize for that in a way i didn't even commit this hard with Lexa turner which is a movie i knew i was gonna really like um because i kept all the lights on because i was scared i would have a seizure <laughs> uh, i turned all the lights in my apartment off I did leave the blinds open because there was one of the gnarliest lightning storms in my time mm. as a Minneapolis resident last night. So I kept that on. I waited until late at night when I knew my neighbor upstairs, who's loud as fuck, would be stomping around so it sounded like there was a ghost above me. <laughs> and then I wore headphones and I turned them literally all the way up. Like I'm so sorry. That and that was not a good choice. I had to back down from that one after about. Because like hour. listen, listening to a Mersbo album. Yeah, I had to back down. Hey, we should. There's a Mersbo movie we should actually watch on this. Um, there's a Mersbo movie. Let's talk about it at the end of this. Um, okay, we'll talk about it. I turned it all the way up for about an hour, so I committed fully to this movie. Yeah. And the first jump scare, I said, "All right, I'll see what you're rocking with." Because up to that point, I was like, <laughs> "Fuck you, this movie sucks. It's stupid." And I stand by okay. both of those thoughts. Okay, Kyle, Edward, I respect how you ball. Yeah, I, I still don't. <laughs> I just don't. Here's the thing I, I'm willing to say, blanket statement. I don't respect people who use Reddit. Oh. <laughs> you host a podcast with with one. <laughs> it's okay. My dad loves Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, 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 let's rewind and set up 
what little plot of this movie there is. Early early establishing shots, domestic house. Mm. It's in Canada. I don't think the movie spells it out. It does spell out it's 1995, the year mm, I was we born. Back Talk to about that. the scariest thing that happened in 1995. What a waste of a, ti- a, a fucking what would you call that title card for the font. year? A font. It, yeah. It goes out of its way to be like, only 90s kids are going to remember how scary this <laughs> domestic horror is. And then, like, there is nothing about this movie except for the fact it has Legos in it that actually roots it in its time frame. And it drove me insane, AJ. Do you think that could be the point? Because there's another title card that's more effective. Oh, the 754 days one? 572 uh, but yeah no know. no no um, no you know what this movie is it's a 70s film i i from think, personally mr ball knew the audience that was probably going to be coming to this thing and by setting it you know about 20 to 30 years ago the people who'd be watching it would be like oh i was a, a child then <laughs> i agree i just think there could have been more interesting i mean th- okay this is this is dumb criticism because i'm trying to create a movie that we don't have. But, like, I think the setting could have been really interesting. Uh, for one, the, the font in the beginning is, like, typical giallo, like, 70s mm-hmm. horror font, which, okay, that doesn't work. Uh, the film grain is indicative of an older camera that would not have been in use. Rather, this wants to be reminiscent of, like, uh, shot on video or shot on VHS style 90s cameras. But, they have the shittiest camera in the world. Yeah, they're 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 using <laughs> they're using an older style camera than that. The film grain doesn't match up with the era. The cartoons, fuck you. You were not watching those old ass cartoons. You were watching Ren and Stimpy and Angry Angry <laughs> Beavers. Like, I if you can't license those, I don't know what to tell you. But that didn't work for me either. Uh, second, there's so much analog horror that this could have played on, like like corrupted video game cartridges, mm. like been drowned or something. You know that like creepy pasta. Like, that yeah. seems like a more interesting movie to me. It's like, okay, how do we incorporate Game Boys or N64s in this? Like, why are you going to go out of your way to be like, this movie takes place in 1995, but also basically it takes place in 1975? You think these kids are too young for, for the N64? They're like, no. one of them's like five years old. No. <laughs> I know they say E for everyone, but, you know, maybe kids are getting video games too but early do you, these But do you days. understand my complaint here where it's like, if you're going to root this, like, this is shit for 90s kids... There's a lot that is not actually indicative of the 90s where I think you could prey on some, like, very cool fears about, like, like video game uh, – what, what do you call those? Rumors or, like, urban legends about video games? Like, your cartridge could have something evil mm-hmm. in it? Like, what is it? that The Ben Drown thing from Zelda Ocarina of Time? Yeah, and, and like, uh, Lavender Town from yeah. Pokemon. Like, the that shit. Maybe – okay. I'll cut, I'll cut all this out. We'll write this movie. There is none of that in this film. <laughs> But it's like only 90s kids will remember this. It's like, no, this is like what my dad would be scared of. Like fucking Fleischman cartoons. Are you kidding me? It drove me I crazy. Think <laughs> it drove it me crazy. I was like, hey, uh, you know, 1995, I was there. I, I think it, it's <laughs> it's it's meant to be specific enough. It's just kind of meant to be like, look, it was a different time. <laughs> and like, so you're not asking like, oh, can't they just get out their fucking iPhone and make a cell phone call instead of stabbing their eyes out because the demon told them to? I just, I just think, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is so such if a the title thing. If the title card had said 1985. I've been more into have, it. I've been more into it. To go up, go up a star? I, I literally think 
the film they gave me would have made more sense if it said 1975. Like that, that's what I just think. Like the the loss of time is a central theme. So I'm going to push back on on that to you. Okay, even according to th- what the movie says, we end in 1996. <laughs> so Maybe. it still doesn't make sense. I, I don't want to send him a I don't want to send him a sense. I'm sorry. Just drove me. Well, crazy. one of the first things that we actually hear or get as like a reference to any sort of plot is the dad on the phone. Mm-hmm. And he says it's kind of like important the way that he phrases it and everything, but it's like Kyle, mm-hmm. who's the the boy fell down the stairs and he hurt his head. They didn't even have to do stitches and he's fine now is basically the setup of this movie that we mm-hmm. get. And then it's a lot of like bumping around the house. You see, you don't see. I want to be clear about that. It's like lights going off, kids tucked into bed, everyone's settling in for the evening. And then we start to get the kids' voices where I think it's Kaylee says something like, I'm scared. Let's go downstairs and watch cartoons, basically. That's what they're doing. They set up in front of the TV. You're getting those old... uh, Holy shit, what's the word? Public use. uh, Fair use. Fair use (laughs) cartoons that cannot be taken down by copyright that they're watching on the TV that are looping in, in interesting ways. And then things start to go awry. Yeah. I like the... I love the sound design of yeah things starting to disappear and then pop back in you get this like microwave old timey sci-fi little noise as like i think the first thing that they notice is like one of the windows disappears there's a door you can't get somewhere like so they're essentially realize that again all the doors and windows are gone from this house so they're kind of trapped inside i agree i also love the way uh dialogue is done in this film where it's Mm largely inaudible i mean like they do they 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 put a lot of sub like the film has subtitles in it you don't have to turn them on they're just in the film uh yeah i really like how muffled a lot of shit sounds and this opening dialogue with the dad is interesting because it it kind of sets up that this is a single parent household even though we do see the mother later i feel like she's not actually in the Mm -hmm. house you know what i'm saying there's a Uh, there's a line about mom went somewhere yeah. or like is she gonna is he gonna leave like mom that sort of thing yeah. like and you know you're grasping at straws because that's what the movie is forcing you to do but but part of that is clearly intentional as it's you know keeping itself not specific enough in order to draw on some themes or like feelings patterns that yeah in one way or another all kids go through but based on you know your specific history and, and your family life you like you you do project things onto this movie i think yeah like it it invites several different interpretations there's a, there's been a lot of really good writing about how it kind of deals with like themes of abuse and childhood trauma and that sort of stuff really smart stuff out there to to look at this movie and i think you know something it's worthwhile that people are able to look at this and come away with such different interpretations of it yeah my, i my, god i was gonna say my cinema sins ass when i was watching this movie the first time was like oh okay 
I figured this thing out. It's the kid <laughs> fell down the stairs. He's concussed and he's he's dreaming through the whole thing. I'm so much smarter than this movie. And then I was like, oh, you know what it is? He the the brother died at the mm. hospital and it's the girl going through a disassociative episode because she can't like conceive of the fact that her brother fell down the stairs yeah. and died and like you know i don't know exactly when it was at at a certain point in this movie i just stopped giving up trying to interpret anything yeah and be like let's fucking go <laughs> i think like this movie lends itself to some really deep readings and analyses of it um and that's cool I don't think this movie's that smart, to be honest. I, I don't think it's about cycles of abuse or, at, at the most, maybe it's about absent parents because yeah. the mom is gone. Um, I most And I mean, the dad, like, does literally disappear yeah, over the sure. course of the movie, which is I... maybe a metaphor. <laughs> maybe, but, like, even that feels like a heavy lift. Uh, I I am not a... I'm not one to try to shirk off metaphors in art. Uh, I think this film doesn't have much to say. I think it's kind of just watch the creepy thing and the kids are going through. Like, this is what... You, you, here's what I think this film is. is It's not a deep reading, and I actually like this as it. It's like, this is what you think your house is like as a kid. 100%. And, I was going to say the exact same. I think yeah. it's important that the inciting action or whatever is not defined, not specific, yeah. probably maybe wasn't even written with an intention or anything like that. As you're just saying there, the point of the film and, mm -hmm. and what's valuable about it is how it interprets and presents this reaction yeah. of the kids. I think, and that's what you're sitting in. I think that is so much more interesting to me than any deeper read of this movie. 100%. Because that's so evocative. Because I'm, I'm 29. I haven't really thought about this until I watched this movie to be like, oh, yeah. And I, I just thought houses were monsters. You know? Yeah. like It's like, okay, so cool. Yeah, you can read it as like the cycle of abuse or trauma or whatever. Or you can be like, oh, yeah, when I was a kid and my parents went to sleep, I thought my house was going to eat me. And it's like, that's when I was so... The, when I was in the basement yeah. watching Family Guy when I was too young to be watching Family Guy. And then I'd be like, okay, time to turn off TBS and run upstairs. Yeah. I would wait at the bottom of the stairs with my hand on the light switch. And the, the second I flipped off the light switch, I would fucking haul exactly. ass up those stairs on my hands and knees to be like, I cannot be in the basement when it's dark because it's not my house and I am not safe. Exactly. That is so much more interesting as a concept to me because it's like... What other movie has even tackled that idea? Because it's like something you you deal with for a, a couple of years when you're like six, mm -hmm. you know, and then like, you grow you grow out of it. Yeah, you forget it. It's amazing. <laughs> like that's way cooler to me than any deeper read. I also just yeah. think like, and this is not this is not me like shitting on the director. I don't think he was trying to make a deeper film. Like I mean, like we talked about up top, his kind of one of his creative theses or, or starting points was asking people on yeah. reddit like what's the scariest thing that ever happened to you as a kid people who think they saw ghosts or lived in houses that made noise or again there are all these things that like yeah maybe in someone's personal history it was like there was an emergency and my parents left yeah. in the middle of the night and i woke up in this house and i was alone and i thought it, the world was over and i thought i lived in that house for like three years in the time that it took for them to come home you know these are all it's a movie that understands those feelings, mm -hmm. emotions, and sensations that in the un irrational childhood undeveloped brain just 
makes sense to you. And what's yeah. so great about this movie is how it's able to tap you back into that. Yeah. Right. I, and I think like, you know, the childhood fear of nothing in particular or everything is th- there's such strong visceral emotions because you don't actually have the wherewithal or world knowledge to understand that they're irrational. Mm-hmm. And like, as someone who has grown up, at this point for decades like loving horror and loving being scared i miss how scared i would be as a child like i live in an apartment now and i often think about how like life stops being scary when you live in an apartment i mean i'm I'm scared of like break-ins or my apartment burning down i'm not really scared of like ghosts because it's like it's not Mm. a big suburban kentucky house i'm always in the middle i'm always afraid like the first night i move to a new place yeah visiting somewhere i'm always kind of like all right What's going on here? Yeah, but it's like, you know, I got, I guess there's a guy that lives above me. Like, if there's a ghost in my apartment, like, I don't know. Something about it feels less scary. Like, I'm right, I'm, I'm in a very populated area compared to, like, growing up in Kentucky. You go to gr- your grandparents' house in Meade County, and it's like, bro, this is where fucking Satan lives. It's like, no, nah, they just got a neighbor <laughs> that lives, like, a fourth of the mile down the road, you know? Well, hey, if you, don't, if you don't think apartment buildings should be scary, you should go see Evil Dead Rise in theaters now. Actually, that's what that about. I was thinking about this last night. I think I would be scared in your old apartment because you lived in that whole building by yourself. Yeah. That seems That was scary. a freaky, that was a freaky yeah. place. The first night I moved in there, I was terrified. Yeah. I will not lie. So, so I think, like, what is actually smart about this film is, like, he's tapping into that and, like, trying to get you back in touch with it. I think it doesn't work because it just can't because I'm 29 and, like I said, I'm not scared the, of ghosts the more opportunities it, The more opportunities it gives you to be, like, check my watch. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, 40, 40 minutes of this thing left. Yeah. Uh, the, like, the moments that it does suck you in, there's – I don't think there's anything – quite like those moments where you're in this movie on its wavelength and it's showing you a screen that's mostly black and you're like what the fuck is in there yeah. what is going on the problem uh, though is almost always nothing's in there yeah except for the times where there where there is i just think there should be more in there like here's what this movie needs is not more jump scares just more just put someone back there in the shot mm. just like very faintly have something move I think that don't call attention. You to know, it. like well, when it's, it's her- doing that. It's doing that with the static, which is part of the sure. like experimental ploy. There is there's always movement, even though these shots are yeah. like of walls and hallways and stuff. So your brain's playing tricks on you, and you're imagining things, and you're like, "Was that just a static flicker yeah, or but I'm a also, shape moving?" I think the issue with it's like I'm just old enough to know it, it's <laughs> static. And so I like I think this film would have benefited by them just having one or two black figures walking. You know what I'm saying? I know it sounds cheap, but like remember that scene in fucking Hereditary where she's mm-hmm. up on the ceiling and you can barely see her? This film just needed one or two of those. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I, I think I think they're in there and I mean the the last shot of this movie Amazing. is kind of like <laughs> yeah. the the moment it cashes all of its chips in on that. And again, you don't get a moment that effective without the long buildup and the anticipation. Yeah. And that is, like I texted you, the 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 last shot of this movie when I saw it for the first time. I, I couldn't look at the screen. I like looked at the floor and was just like, okay, go away. I like yeah. don't want to see this anymore. Uh the 
So I think like I think the first moment that it really jumps to eleven is the bedroom scene, which is again kind of the next story beat necessarily. The kids are milling about watching cartoons. Shit's going funky for a while. There's the Barbie doll. They go upstairs. Um, a voice, a disembodied voice, calls out to Kaylee. I think sounds female. Maybe mm-hmm. she interprets it as her mother, and it says, "Come upstairs," which. Pretty pretty chilling (laughs) of just like this voice coming from nowhere telling a a kid to go upstairs. She does go upstairs and she goes into the bedroom and it's her dad sitting on the bed and he says, look under the bed. And again, just like shoots a chill down your spine. You're like, hey, Mm -hmm. little girl, don't do that. Yeah. Don't fucking do that. Uh, And then her mother's sitting on the other side of the bed, which as the film's established beforehand mom's not around and then you just get this like explosive jump scare there's a scream and a flash and you don't know what's going on and then the movie just moves on from that but that i remember yelling i remember screaming so the 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 problem this movie runs up against is how sparse it is building up to those moments that the mind is invited to wonder Mm -hmm. about your day things you should might have to do tomorrow I'd kind of accidentally stopped paying attention during the scene because it's so long between look under the bed, uh, the jump scare, that when the jump scare happened, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> oh, skin a marink. The guy, I remember the guy The guy next to me when I saw this movie went to the bathroom during that bit. Yeah. And then he came back and I wanted to be like, you probably missed the best scene in the movie. Uh, <laughs> Hold your fucking piss in. Uh, what, what was it that comes through the door? It kind of looks like a dick. It kind of looks like a dick, you think? Yeah. Kind of looks like a dick. Uh, you're projecting because, again, so much of this movie what is not the, specific. What is it, though? What is it that shoots out? It's just like a, sh- it's a shape. I think it's meant to be a person, but it's just some kind of disembodied shape. Well, it looks like a hand, but it's kind of like <laughs> a dick. A it's dick, still, you think? Like, kind of looks like a dick. Shoots at it like a big dick. Anyway, that didn't land for me. I did think about some some articles I wanted to write in that moment, though. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm a, I think why, I'm a why why more movies should be set in 1975? Look, the 90s setting, I just have that's my biggest. The next jump scare, I wanted to not watch the movie after. Like it, yeah. So so talk me through this one because this is when you were like, I had to pause and stop. And I think this is also me. one people fucking hate. Um, is so like at some point Kaylee dies. Like she is killed. So ma- again, so you say. <laughs> mask off, mask off. This film will hurt children. Uh, Kaylee is killed, and we go when we find her body. I believe it's back in the basement. We kind of see a shadow of it, of a body lying there, and then it does this fucking internet thing, where it's just a creepy kid's face missing a mouth pops onto screen and just screams at you and like i understand how dumb that is and we've been doing that since the dawn of video on the internet you used to watch the people do the maze game and the face Uh will pop up at them ice through my veins aj like i had a visceral response to this where i like like i went into for a brief moment like i could feel my fight or flight trigger like it scared me so badly that I had to pause the movie and like 
one sit there while my body was like releasing whatever it was into me endorphins or whatever it released run a full fucking marathon yeah 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 and like i had to pause it and i had a moment where one i could feel like my tear ducts kind of like <laughs> starting up and i had a moment where i was like I don't think I'm going to watch the rest of this movie. And then, like, you know, because I'm, I'm not a baby. I did finish it, and, like, it was totally fine. Congratulations. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a big deal. But, like, that fucking got me. And then when I was reading reviews about it, people are so mad about this jump scare because it's, like, it's just the one you see on YouTube all the time. The, of, the, like, o- the only one that I think is borderline cheap is the phone. Oh, I like the phone. And, like, at, I mean, at that point, the movie's kind of having fun with you because yeah. it's, like, isn't the shit fucked up? And it's... I'm just having fun with it. <laughs> a shot into the darkness and you're like, oh my God, are those like eyes? eyes? Yeah. Is that a face? And then the lights blast on and it's that fucking toy rotary phone that's in oh, like Toy Story 3 good. and it starts ringing. I mean, it's great. Like that's kind of where that's maybe the make or break moment where it's like, if you if you can't appreciate that, Skin and Rink's not the movie for you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it was about this face that got me so badly. It's, I mean, man, it's, but, it's. Oh, it fucked me up. It's one of the, like, first instances of just, like, real explicit horror in this yeah. movie. It's the bedroom scene and then these these disembodied kid photos, which which come back a little bit. Like, they're still, they'll flash to them. But it seems like they're old uh, childhood photos that have been, like, warped or, or features removed, that kind of stuff. It, it's effective, scary stuff. Yeah. So now it's, it's Kevin alone going through the house and the voice... Uh, people refer to this online as the entity. I like to call it the Skinnamarink, but the <laughs> the voice, the the thing that's in the house uh, with him. As we're now like very clearly aware, okay, whatever's going on in this movie, it's like there's a a force, an entity, a Skinnamarink, a demon that's like <laughs> tormenting these children yeah. and took his sister away and is now fucking with him. And I think again, one of the scariest bits in this movie is when. God, what does he do? Uh, he says, I took Kaylee's mouth away because she wouldn't do what she was told. She yeah, said she didn't like wanted that. her parents. Didn't like that. So I Ugh. took her mouth away. Yeah. Just like, ooh. And then does is it does it tell him to do it before he's on the phone? Or do we like piece that out after the fact? Because basically what happens is the thing says... Go into the kitchen, open the drawer, take the knife, and poke your eyes out. Yeah. And then, I mean, we see part of that happening. And then there's also Kevin on the phone with 911. I think. Which is maybe the other scariest moment in this movie. I, I think that is the scariest, act, actual scariest part. Because it's not. Yeah. there's no jump scares or anything. It's just like hearing that kid talk on the phone with the 911 operator is mortifying. He's just like... I was I I hurt myself with a knife and now I feel sick. Yeah. And the like nine one one operator, who's maybe the most rational character in the movie, is yeah. just kind of like, okay, that's fine. Like we're gonna send people. You're gonna be okay. And then again, like the scariest thing is she's like, I forget exactly how she says it too. She's just kind of like, are you alone in the house? Why are you whispering? Yeah. And then like no response from Kevin. And then again, like this movie does sometimes, it just moves on to something else. Yeah. I also didn't really uh, the, the scene with the blood really freaked me out. Or the, the like it's flashing. Yeah, on the, yeah. It's really again like at some point during watching this movie, it's like not 
exciting horror and becomes just like disturbing in a in a mm-hmm. way like you know i definitely feel bummed out by the end of this movie and then leave with you know the single most chilling final frame in, in cinematic history maybe nah uh, nothing has ever got me in the way that the wow. last shot of this movie has it's like i i told you i like could not physically look at the screen i was just oh. like shaken to my core um we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about another movie that did that to me in the suggestions so that's okay. cool i'm glad you said that wow the yeah, the ending shot which i know we're gonna talk about was fucked up hall of fame shit yeah like unbelievable that they pulled that one off things are things are escalating going fast i like we're this is all probably 70 minutes into the movie now at this point and then it sort of like ripples back out into experimental territory yeah. where the toys are disappearing. I think at this point, Kevin goes upstairs and that's really where things are sort of off the rails into psych- like full psychedelia mm-hmm. where uh, Legos on the ceiling, the hallway keeps getting longer. Um, we see piles of toys building up. The cartoons at this point are just like, looping clipping the cartoon characters are losing their eyes and their mouths and the sounds are just repeating over and over again it's just making this big disorienting audio visual soup uh there's the pile of toys that's the image that i keep coming back to because as it zooms out this hallway is getting longer and longer than any hallway in any house ever would be (laughs) and the, the text text comes back up on the screen it says 572 days and you're like I don't know what that means, but sure, I understand that, like, time has passed here or whatever. Um, what, 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 like, happens to get us into the ending? I'm trying to, trying to, like, remember I mean, honestly, exactly. it's just, like, a slideshow of fucked up shit, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. And then, and then we're there. Like, it's not, like, a much of a narrative buildup to the moment, you know? Well, I, I, I do think there is, like, one exchange that's sort of maybe key to it. They're they're kind of conversing or whatever. The thing is saying, you know, I can do anything again, that sort of stuff. And and very pointedly, I think Kevin asks it its name. And then that's what leads us into the final shot, which is this brown curtain of static that you're staring into. And then like very faintly sort of in the distance, but unmistakably there is a face and the static works so well it's so smart that as you look at this featureless face your brain is trying to build Mm -hmm. facial features into it and it's using the static and every face your brain builds is just completely warped in yeah disturbing looking you're like eyes mouth yeah nose what am i looking for and it's just this like constant movement i think it's uh, honestly like for all the parts I liked in this movie, I do think this is one of the smartest moments in the film. Like, I think this is a genuinely, like, inventive scare in a horror movie. It it goes out on top. Yeah. And that's kind of why, like, you you sit there and you're like, damn, I just got skinnamarinked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I think I, you know, I gave it three on Letterboxd, and I'm going to stand by that. But that's, that I, is the, that's the average. I think I should have gone lower, but I'm going to... F- hold myself accountable and I'm going to stay on there. I don't Yeah. I think overall I actually don't think I liked this movie while also liking having watched it. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Like, uh, it's an experience. Respect the experience. I guess. I'm just glad I watched it because it's, it's, it's interesting, if not all that good. I think it's smarter than it is. You know, this is a great hour-long movie. Facts. M- much like We're All Going to the World's Fair, which I think is a much better movie. Yeah. This is just like, I cannot wait to see what this dude does next. Yeah. Because $15,000 budget, making something this effective and well-realized that now kind of like, yeah, I just looked it up. We're all going to the World's Fair is 86. Like, they could have swapped lengths. And it's like, now we're cooking, maybe. Um, They both, they both, I mean, they are, they're really so, they complement each other so well. Uh when you think about creepypasta and the way people talk on the internet, it's like we're all going to the world's fair doesn't ever zoom in on the specificities and the feelings. It's all about how we talk about those sorts of things. Yeah. And skin and is like, just experience the thing and don't worry about interpreting it or talking about it or how it affects you or anything like that. Like live in it. So yeah, <laughs> they're dealing with the same idea, but I think in different ways, really, really cool yeah. movie. I'm super glad that it exists. Yeah. Man, we're all going to the World's Fair. What a flip. It's kind of goaded. Suggestions. I can't wait for that. This. <laughs> I can't wait. What do you got? Because I feel like you can Bites. get fucking weird with the suggestions yeah. on this. Bite Size Nightmares, okay. the Kyle Edward Balls YouTube channel. We're all going to the World's Fair. Uh, the David Lynch movies that we talked about. Mulholland Drive, Inland Empire, that sort of shit. Weird analog stuff. Um, God, like what else? I, there's nothing quite like this. So, I mean, I know, I have a feeling I know a movie that you're going to recommend. So let's, let's hear it. What do you think I'm going to recommend? Little, uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa? No. Okay. Which one? Pulse? Cure? They oh. deal with the same sort of stuff, yeah? yeah? Well, Pulse does. Cure, not as much. No, no. First one I'm going to recommend is Lake Mungo. Yeah. Lake Mungo, a movie obsessed with making you look at grainy, dark images. <laughs> a movie that also is um, maybe too long and trying more than it should. But uh, Lake Mungo is about, it's a fake documentary about a family whose you know daughter died of mysterious circumstances. And, you know, they're, they're grieving and they're just trying to figure out what happened. And it takes some evil turns i'll tell you what there is a scene in this movie aj i think brat the balls to brass (laughs) is that a saying boot to balls yeah i'm not i'm not so sure about that there's a scene in this thing boot to balls aj um maybe the scariest fucking sequence i've ever seen in a film and all that happens is a character walks towards a camera and the implication of what that means and like gave me an existential nightmare that will maybe never be rivaled uh freaky deaky yeah lake mungo i know it's had like definitely kind of a a second and third wind in recent years it kind of came and went when it first was released i feel like i feel like almost first i feel like it came out and then it was on like amazon prime or shutter or something and people started watching it and they were like hey hang on a sec yeah this thing's kind of cooking with gas definitely crumbles under its weight a little bit tries a little more than it should but when it's hitting man it's fucking hitting the second one is actually a movie i don't care for that much but A, 
is applicable here. B has a really good reputation, so I think it just didn't land with me, but people love this fucking movie. It is called Difficulty Breathing. It is a, a micro-budget film. It's actually directed by Guy, who we talked about lat- on ni- the 964 episode. Oh, Guy Pierce. Yes, 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 yes. Not the actor. Not the actor. Um, the show me something... I think that's his last name, but also when I look, he just goes by Guy. So if his last <laughs> name isn't Pierce, if you're listening, Guy, and your last name isn't Pierce, or you didn't want people to know that, and for some reason I know that, and I don't know how, my bad, bro. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a ho- co-host to show me something uh show me something rotten show me something wrong yeah and uh also the dude that knows all the stuff about shows in fukui anyway he he does a bunch of movies um and he has one called difficulty breathing which is i guess the 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 broad pitch of it is you know a woman who had something traumatic happen in her life and is dealing with the anxiety of that um i i really respect what this movie does especially with sound um just I think what Guy did with the sound of this film is pretty amazing, just in terms of its raw uh, ferociousness. Like, it is a movie that begs to be played louder than maybe safely possible. (laughs) Um, It also has a jump scare towards the end that fucking got me the way that some of the ones in Skinamarink did. Um, there's just an expert jump scare. Unfortunately, the rest of the movie did not do much for me. I do know people love this film. There are people that touted it as like one of the scariest movies they've ever seen. Did not land that way for me, but I respect it, what it does. Um, he has a new movie. For, 41 minutes? What are you going to do? Yeah, you can buy it on DVD for really cheap. He has a new movie coming out that Unearth's putting out called Sound of Summer that looks really, really cool. I think it's done some festivals in Japan, but um, kind of excited to check that out. So those are my two recommendations. Uh, my third recommendation is, I don't know, YouTube Ghost Reel. And then just watch those. Because <laughs> like the, the, the inspiration for a lot of this movie is just YouTube videos that people have made over the years. Um, the Lake yeah. Mungo. We should do a Lake Mungo episode. Yeah, dude. I've been meaning to watch that shit. Have you, did you see... So uh, which one was it? The Hollow Man? No, that's not it. The Empty Man. No. Did you watch that? No. That movie was crazy. That's another one that's like about creepypasta type of stuff. And it seems like it should be the schlockiest, lamest piece of garbage. And it's just like fucking terrifying. Huh. No. Good flick. You know, it also might be a good, good, good reco. That's a cliche one. Juon. The Grudge. I was going to say Ringu. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, Juon. So the the thing, I think the fucking VHS movies. Those were bangers. Oh, VHS one, and then the yeah. last vignette, VHS two. And there's the a school. new there's a new one coming out. You v- know VHS ninety four came out last year. I think people no really VHS eighty nine. I think. Oh, the way I think this movie wants to scare people of like things that go bump in the night. I think Juon scared me that way, where, like, Mm. very specific fears of homes and apparitions being in homes above your bed, you know? Like, how scary is it to open your eyes and there's just a ghost standing above you? Uh, I think Juon operates in a similar, like, wavelength of horror as Skinner Marink. Um, Specifically, not the first one, the first remake, because there's the made-for-TV one. 
or the straight to video one. Then there's the theatrical one. Then there's the American remake. I'm talking about the theatrical one. That's the one. Though the first one, the made for TV or straight to video one, which I think is Jew on the Curse. That was all right. That was all right. But Jew on the Grudge. That's that fucking shit right there. That You're getting it raw. One of the scariest movies I've ever seen. I know that's so cliche. But it's, I think it holds up. Scary shit. You're, you're right to say it. Um, any more? Any more? Lo-fi weirdo shit? Go stare at a wall for 45 minutes? Yeah, do the thing where you light a candle in a dark bathroom and stare at your face in the mirror and it'll distort over time. Do that. Mm. That's a recommendation. Uh, yeah. Go say Bloody Mary in a dark bathroom for a while. Couldn't, couldn't be me. Oh, Bloody Mary was the thing that scared me the most as a child. You couldn't catch me doing that shit. I'd be like, come on now. You couldn't catch me no. doing that now. That's facts. I used to have intrusive thoughts as a kid where I'd be like, it'd be nighttime. and be like, I got pee because I'm a little kid with a little bladder. <clears throat> and uh, I would have intrusive thoughts in the bathroom at night. When it's all dark, my brain would start saying Bloody Mary. And I'd be like, no, 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 don't say it three times. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, shit, you used to scare the shit out of me. Uh, Blair Witch Project. I mean, the goat. Yeah, that's probably a good one to watch. Cloverfield. I've never seen Cloverfield. Yeah, I've never seen it. You've never seen Cloverfield. Cloverfield fucks. Oh, you know what? There's these like weirdo Japanese anthology films. What are they called? Tokyo Ghost Stories? No, not Ghost Stories anime. They're on Amazon. Oh, what is it? Is this worth it to like figure out movie and I'm enthralled. I, they're so corny, dude. <laughs> oh god, what is it? Tales of Terror? Is that it? No. Now I can't remember, but there's this anthology f- series from Japan. That are just these like really shitty little horror shorts, but they're fun. There's a good one where people go into an abandoned school and there's a body hanging and they're like, "Oh shit!" And the, the we should the we should have pukes. more anthology horror movies because it's like yeah. again, I think like we've been talking about a lot of dude. the time people have a good idea for a 20, 30 minute movie and it's like when you stretch that shit too far, dude. Gone. There's a new one that's like literally been supposed to come out for ten fucking years. The listing on Letterboxd is from twenty thirteen. It is still not out yet. Uh called the Profane Exhibit. Okay? Huh. Check this out. Okay. Unearthed has the rights to put it out, so hopefully it'll come out soon. Here's the direct on it. Here's the directors. Are you ready? Ruggiero Diodato, rest in power. Uve Boll, rest in piss. Sergio <laughs> Stivaletti, not sure who that is. Yoshi, Yoshihiro Nishimura, the director of Tokyo Gore Police. Yes, um, sir. Jose, uh, I'm not sure who that is either. Um, Ryan Nicholson, who did a bunch of like extreme horror films. Marion Dora, who's put out some of the most notoriously gross movies of all time, including Melancholy of Dare Angle, uh, and the list goes on. So there's an anthology film right there with some heavy hitters. I think I've heard the... Ruggiero- I would like to see it. I think I've heard the Ruggiero Diodato short is pretty good. Pe- or is pretty bad, sorry. Um, executive produced by Uwe Boll. So there you go. That's how you know you're dealing with a good flick. Yeah, so we'll have to watch that one. Uh, hopefully it'll come out when soon. We, when we have to? 
I think so. It feels worth watching. I mean, Uwe Boll's definitely a grandfather of this film podcast, you know? And me, personally. That sucks. Let's see. Does it have a release? Nope. Still TBA on Unearth's Uwe. website. Uwe. Come back to me. Ooh, Uwe. Like, Oive. Uh, <laughs> Oive, yeah. yeah. Let's wrap her up. Let's that. wrap her up. We're, we're Peter. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you don't get skinnamarinked tonight. Skinnamarinky dinky dink. Skinnamarinky do. Skinnamarinky do. I eat poo. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. I almost just hung up the...